Matthew chapter 2, we'll look at the scripture, one of the classic passages about an event that surrounds the coming of Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 2, this morning we'll begin in verse 1. Wish you all a Merry Christmas. Hope you have a great time with family, friends, church this season. Matthew chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, the scripture says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who was born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Well, this is a, a special time of year where we gather oftentimes with family if we're able to do so. I see in the crowd on this morning some family members, old friends, some people we don't often get to see, family travels in and visits with us. It's a joyful time for me to get to see our college students back with us in our congregation. It's a time of special food oftentimes, of gifts, of these songs that we sing during this season. It is just a, a joyful time of year. And in that joy and in that time with family and, and the, the happiness that comes with this season, uh, it's, it's a special time also to, to be distracted from the significance of Jesus Christ. It's, it's becoming easier and easier to be distracted by the world from the significance of Jesus Christ, which we read about in this passage. This is what Matthew's doing. Matthew is writing history with an agenda. His historical recording of facts is showing you what Jesus did. And his agenda is for you to recognize who Jesus is, recognize his significance, and respond appropriately to believe in him and worship him and live for him. This is a text that highlights the significance of Jesus. In fact, if you, if you look in the scripture about the coming of Jesus and the events surrounding his 
birth, there's a lot of unusual things that take place. And this is one of them. And it's all about his significance. It's about his importance. And in Matthew, we're going to see the highlight is on who his identity is. Matthew chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold. Matthew likes to use this word behold. It means pay attention. Wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. So this morning from this passage, my hope is, first of all, that we will recognize the significance of Jesus. Or for us Christians to be reminded of the significance of Jesus. And that significance is first seen here in verse 1 by those who seek him. Those who seek him. Look at it. Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Wise men. The original word here is the word magi. That's why that word appears in some of your Bibles. That these magi, these wise men, were actually a class of people in the ancient world, usually found in the courts of kings. Uh, you can find this in, in the book of Daniel, where Daniel and some of essentially the, the best and the brightest of the Hebrew young men are brought into Nebuchadnezzar's court because of their propensity to, to, to wisdom. And then Nebuchadnezzar has this whole cadre of wise men that surround him, that he asks questions. They serve as advisors to ancient kings. And then when Babylon falls to Persia, the Persians also have their own set of wise men. Daniel becomes one of the wise men who serves the Persians. You can read in the book of Esther about these wise men that surround the king. They're record keepers. They're record keepers. They, they have knowledge of history. They spend time like scholars would, oftentimes with texts. The written word is very important to them. They're very studious. That's who these wise men are. Then if you go a little bit further in history, in the, again, the, the kingdom of Persia, you, you meet Ezra. Ezra, who is a priest of God's people. And, and one of the characteristics of Ezra is he knows the word of God. In fact, Ezra 7.10 says that Ezra set his heart to study the law of the Lord, to do it, and to teach statutes and ordinances. So that shows you that the law of the Lord, the word of God, is present with Ezra while he's in Persia. We wonder, how did these wise men learn about this king of kings? Well, we know that they would have had access to the word of God through Ezra or through others. Again, these are great record keepers and these men that are known for their wisdom and for their knowledge and for their time with texts and history. These men come to Jerusalem. Notice they're from the east. That would have been the region of Persia. If they are from Persia or from that area, it's several hundred miles that they travel. Several hundred miles that they travel. Now let me just make a few assumptions. Things the text doesn't say, but I think that are uh, essentially defensible assertions, if you will. These wise men, they bring very valuable gifts. Wise men are men of means, obviously. They're probably, they probably weren't traveling with a small group. There's probably a, a large entourage of them that come. Though, again, we don't know for sure, but there's every reason to assume that. It's a long journey. In the ancient world, you don't make a long journey carrying valuables with just a few people. 
There's probably, again, a large group of people coming to Jerusalem. That's why they create such a stir in Jerusalem. Notice verse 2, what they're saying. They're saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. So notice, they're looking for the king. They've seen his star and they have come with a specific purpose to worship him. So Jesus' significance is seen in the fact that these wise men come. Jesus' significance is also realized in his identity. They recognize him as king of the Jews. And they recognize him as a king who is deserving of worship. Verse 3, when Herod the king heard this. Now notice the contrast there. Verse 1, this is the days of Herod the king. Verse 3, Herod the king, well, these magi have come to worship the king. There's a king of the Jews who's been born. Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. The word troubled means panicked. Panicked. And not only Herod, but also all Jerusalem with him. Because essentially in that day and time, a new king oftentimes means instability. A new king can mean war. Herod is essentially a king who was granted the title king of the Jews by Caesar Augustus. So see, Herod is serving as essentially this Roman puppet who's been given a title of the king of the Jews and now here comes this entourage from the east, these magi who have historically served kings and they're coming looking for the one who's been born king of the Jews. This causes Herod panic. And not only him, but Jerusalem with him. Verse 4. So look at what Herod does. He assembles all the chief priests and the scribes of the people. He inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. Now don't miss the significance of that. Herod interprets they're searching for the king of the Jews to be the Christ. Herod understands that the one that they're looking for to worship is the Christ. Not just another king. Not just the next king in line after Herod. No, they're coming to look for a very specific king. And that's why Herod turns to the, essentially the religious people to tell him, where is this one that, that you've been looking for, the king of the Jews? The idea of the Christ, that word carries with it these kingly overtones. That all through the Old Testament there is this anticipation of a king coming whose kingdom will have no end. The government will be on his shoulders. He's going to rule like no other king in history has ever ruled. That's who Herod understands that they're looking for. I think by implication, the wise men also are coming looking for him. They understand, I believe from the Old Testament, that there's this long expectation of God sending a king to the Jews. He will be king of kings and lord of lords. That's why they've come. That they realize and they know that now is the time and they've come to look for him who is king and who is Christ. So one of the great things you can do with your Bible. You can read the Old Testament and you'll find a thread of hope woven through the Old Testament books. It, it really goes back all the way to Genesis chapter 3 at the, at the, the fall of man. God gives hope that there's coming one who will deal with the problem of sin. And you can trace that hope all through the Old Testament. It's an amazing Bible study to do. And you'll see that that thread leads to Jesus Christ, who is king. Incidentally, Matthew in his gospel has already introduced Jesus as king. Go back to Matthew chapter 1 and look at verse 1. 
The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. David was the king. Look at Matthew chapter 1 and verse 6. And Jesse, the father of David, the king. Matthew begins his gospel with a genealogy, and it's a genealogy that traces Jesus back to a king. He's in the lineage of David. So his genealogy testifies to his identity as king and Christ, but not only that, it's the scripture that testifies to his identity as king and Christ. Look at verse 5. This is where the chief priests, the people who essentially know the word of God and the scripture better than anyone else, the chief priests and the scribes. The scribes are people who copy the word of God. They, they've given their life to copying down by hand the word of God. Here's the message they give Herod in verse 5. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And this is Micah 5.2 that we looked at earlier in our service. Matthew 2.6, and you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Incidentally, Bethlehem is the city where David's from. It's, this, it's his hometown. And it's from that same town that the great king, the greatest king, the king of kings, the Christ, would come. So his identity is revealed in Scripture. It's confirmed by Scripture. I think it's interesting and encouraging that these wise men from the East are directed to the Son of God by the Word of God. Because that's where they're going to go. They find out from the Word of God where the Son of God is born, and that's where they go. They are directed by the Scripture. This is how God works in our world. His Word leads us to his son and you see it right here friends this is why i would encourage you this year you're 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 gonna need counsel we all need counsel you're gonna need guidance seek guidance from the word of god you have the eternal truth of god at your fingertips more accessible than ever before you can get a bible reading plan on your phone if that's best for you we're doing this bible reading plan here let me encourage you to pick up one of these and just put it in your Bible and, and have a fresh resolution to read your Bible daily, to read your Bible through in a year. Again, to me, the, the college students that, that join us this time of year are an encouragement to me. It was when I was in college that I first read the Bible through, and it changed my life. The, the, you're there doing academic studies. Well, add to that the study, the reading, the meditation of the Word of God. It's a book like no other book that can change your life and your direction and give you the best counsel of all, divine counsel. Verse 7, Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. So we see not only is Jesus revealed in Scripture and his significance is revealed in the fact that he was prophetically called to be the son of God, recognized as the son of God. Not only that, but he's opposed by the world. His significance is also realized in the fact that he is opposed by the world. Here's Herod, the king. He opposes Jesus. This is one thing you'll find in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. In, in all the gospels, they all emphasize how Jesus is opposed. That's part of his identity. It also testifies to the fact that he is the Christ. 
All the way back in Psalm 2, Psalm 2 reveals the Christ as the Son of God who will be opposed. And Psalm 2 ends, it concludes with this wonderful invitation of the nations to embrace the Son, to to kiss the Son, is what Psalm 2 says. And then also in Luke, again, one of these unusual events that surrounds the birth of Jesus Christ. Look at it in Luke chapter 2. After Jesus was born shortly, most likely before these magi come to visit him, Jesus is born in a manger. The shepherds are the recipients of a heavenly message about his coming, that unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. They go and they seek him and find the Son of God, the King of Kings, in a manger. Shortly after his birth, he is taken to Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, Joseph and Mary meet with Anna and Simeon. Listen to what Simeon says about this baby, this child. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple when the parrots brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law. He took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and mother marveled at what he had said about him, and Simeon blessed him and said to said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. That's who this baby is. He's going to be opposed. And you see, from the coming of the Magi, the religious powers that be are already conspiring to kill him from his birth. Herod is panicked by the coming of the Christ and wants him dead. Later, the chief priests and the scribes and the Pharisees are going to conspire together to put him to death. This is one of the sad ironies of this passage, is they know the text about where Jesus is supposed to be coming, but rather than looking forward to him with anticipation, they're going to plot to kill him and put him to death. He is opposed by the world. It testifies to his identity. But there's also joy that accompanies his coming. Look at verse 9. Now after, now after listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. Incidentally, people ask lots of questions about the star. There's not a lot of details in the Bible about it. I think it's some kind of miraculous event. Some kind of God we know calls out the stars by name. He directs them at his appointment. It seems in some way God is using this star to direct these men who also were known for their study of the stars to where this child would be born. Look at verse 10. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Now that would be a, that would be a good Christmas time, wouldn't it? Rejoicing exceedingly with great joy. This is one of the things you find about the texts that record the, the coming, the birth of Jesus Christ. His birth is attended by joy. 
This is why so many of the songs we sing at this season in church have this theme of joy in them. Because joy surrounds his birth because he is coming to save his people from their sins. This is our great need to be saved from our sins. And this is why he's come. And not only that, but who is, who is rejoicing in him in this text? Wise men. From where? The east. This is the nations rejoicing in the coming of Christ. Again, just like the Old Testament says. The nations will stream to him. They will come to him. Yes, he'll be opposed, but also from the nations there will be those who believe in him and who follow him and live for him. We're a testament to that. Gulfport, Mississippi, 2019. People from all different backgrounds, all different parts of the United States and the world come together to worship the King, the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's joy in his coming for the nations. Now let's see what happens when they come. Verse 11. And going into the house. So notice this is after the manger scene's taken place. Uh, seems like Joseph and Mary have gotten set up in a house in Bethlehem, apparently. They saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. You see that emphasis repeated. They come to worship him. Then opening their treasures, they... They offered him gifts, gold, and frankincense, and myrrh. These are essentially gifts worthy of a king. That when you come to, to see a king, particularly the king of kings, you bring gifts. These are men, obviously, of means who were in royal positions, most likely, and they bring gifts suited for a king. Gold, this universal symbol of wealth, all through history, they bring gold to the king of kings. Frankincense. Frankincense was an incense that was often burned in the courts of kings. And also in the Old Testament, Leviticus chapter 2, frankincense and its burning is associated with offerings that were offered to the Lord. And then myrrh, a valuable substance used for medicinal purposes. So they come and worship him and they bring gifts. Incidentally, one of the things you'll find if you study the scripture and you study worship, oftentimes the bringing of gifts is associated with worship. This is one of the ways people show worship and homage and honor and exaltation. And it's, it's not by accident that we take up an offering. That's not just about getting money. In fact, it's not about that at all. The purpose of it is to obey the word of God and worship the Lord. That when we give money to the work of God, it's supposed to be an act of worship. You see this all through the scripture, the connection of bringing gifts as an offering of worship. It's what they do in worshiping him. Then they're warned in a dream not to return to Herod. And they departed to their own country by another way. There's divine intervention there where they're warned and they don't go back to Herod. That's the significance of Jesus Christ. The significance of Jesus Christ. So just two Last points of encouragement for you to take with you as you celebrate Christmas or whatever you do in this season with your family or with friends. You recognize the significance of Jesus Christ, but you also respond to the significance of Jesus Christ. It's not just about knowing these things. The chief priests and the scribes knew about Bethlehem. They knew about the coming king, but they didn't respond appropriately. 
In contrast, the wise men from the east do respond appropriately. They recognize him for who he is and they worship him. Which is one way you should respond to the king of kings is you should exalt him. You should exalt him. You should worship him. The thing for us Christians is we know way more than the Magi knew. At best, they know some passages from the Old Testament. Friends, we know Jesus came and died on the cross for our sins and was raised from the dead. We know he's king of kings and lord of lords. We know he's returning in power and glory for his people. We know so much more than they did. And based on that, we should worship him. We should exalt him. For he is worthy. He is to be worshipped. Again, another thing about these songs that we sing, that a lot of the songs the choir sang this morning that that essentially come along with our church meetings together this season is, is the theme of worship. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. So sing about it. Glory to God in the highest. Glory to God in the highest. Oh, come, let us adore him I love the the verse of the song where it's essentially based on our Matthew text it says sages leave your contemplations brighter visions beam afar seek the great desire of nations lo you've seen the infant star come and worship come and worship worship Christ the newborn king think about those words you're singing these are a call to worship and exalt the king it, and this is where we've, we as Christians have, have got to not just get caught up in all the busyness of the season, which is so easy to do, or in all this, the good things that come along with this season, seeing maybe family we don't get to see very often, the Christmas cookies, all the good times we have, the special songs, these things that warm your heart and bring you joy. The significance of Jesus Christ should always weigh on us to worship him, to come and worship That's why this season also gives you an opportunity as a Christian. Not only should we exalt him in response to his significance, we should also explain his significance. You have an opportunity this season, because of where we live and the way our culture is, I mean, you have people in our neighborhood singing songs like, Do you hear what I hear? Do you hear what I hear? Bing Crosby, Carrie Underwood, Lots of people have sung this song. Listen to this verse. Said the king to the people everywhere, listen to what I say. Pray for peace, people everywhere. Listen to what I say. The child, the child, sleeping in the night, he will bring us goodness and light. You know what you can do as a Christian? You can explain that. You know who this child is. You might be at a Christmas party. That song might be on. And you're there with a lot of people And again, the amazing thing about where we live is most people know about the birth of Jesus. Most people know about the wise men, but they don't know about the significance of it. And this is where you come in. And you've got some theology woven into these songs. You have secular people singing about Jesus. There's no other time of year like that that I know of. Or, oh, come let us adore him. Also, Bing Crosby, right? If your name is Bing, that means you're going to get some airtime. Celine Dion, the Celtic women. Oh, come let us adore him. These are, these are people that 
our neighbors that don't go to church, that don't understand the significance of Jesus, they hear those songs, oh, come let us adore him. Well, let me tell you why I adore him. Because he's king of kings. My goodness, if the king of kings was present, wouldn't you want to adore him and give him the honor he deserves and demands? We need to honor him and exalt him. And you can, you can use the, the songs this season that people are singing that they don't understand the significance of to help explain the most important truth of all. Who Jesus is and why he came. Who Jesus is and why he came. Do you understand his significance? Now you might, again, intellectually know it. But do you have peace with God? Because peace with God comes through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace with God comes through our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you have hope? You have hope that even though this life is fleeting, and even though there's coming a day when we won't enjoy Christmas cookies anymore, there's an eternal hope that abides. And that hope is in Jesus Christ. That he died on the cross for our sins, he was raised from the dead. That through Jesus we have access to God. And it was, it was God's plan and purpose to send him so that we sinners who were separated from God because of our sin might be reconciled, reconciled. God and sinner reconciled. Hark the herald angels sing. It's good news in these songs, and it's true. It can be made right with God through his son. That's why there's joy at his coming. We who are the nations can rejoice that he's come, he's died for our sins, he's been raised from the dead, and the call is to trust him to bring you to God. Let's pray together. Lord, we do thank you for the significance of Jesus Christ, the weightiness that surrounds his coming, the recognition, Lord, of his coming. On, Lord, behalf of heaven, where the angels testify to Mary and to Joseph and to the shepherds about his identity as Savior. Unto us is born this day a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Thank you for that good news, Lord. We thank you, God, that that good news is for all the peoples. Lord, that in your goodness and in your mercy and in your purpose, you would include in your people men and women from all nations. Thank you, Lord, for that. We thank you for Jesus who came to die for our sins. God, I just pray that as we look at your word, we would like the wise men to recognize the importance of Jesus Christ. And this will be a time when we remember that and reflect on that and respond appropriately. Help us, Lord, to exalt you, for you are worthy of worship, King of kings and Lord of lords. And God, help us to take this good news and explain it to others and use the opportunity this season affords us, Lord, to talk of glorious truth. Bless God not only to talk of mere fleeting joys, but God to talk about eternal truth, about Jesus and his glory and majesty and significance, that he is Savior and he is Lord. So give us courage to do that, God, this week and all the days of our life in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing together. Call you to turn from your sins and trust this one Jesus that I've been telling you about. He is Lord. If you have questions about being a Christian, believing in him, I'll be available afterwards. Questions about our church, we'd love to talk with you. 
answer questions for you, and, and help you find guidance in the Word of God and live for Him.